with all these microphones on. I feel like the president. I feel like the president with all those microphones out there. Amen. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That would, that would look, look like looking look to everybody. Amen. I think I'm going to start tonight just quoting 1 Thessalonians 2, the last half of the verse 13. The scripture says, The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. That's a great verse of scripture. It says, The word effectually worketh. The word, the phrase effectually worketh comes from the Greek word energeo. We get the English word energy from that word. And so what it's telling us is that the word is energized when we believe it. It's made effective when we believe it. And so the key is not just just having known some Bible verses, but to know it and believe it because that's how it's energized. And you know that my goal is always going to be to give you enough Scripture so that faith can rise so that we can have the kind of victory we need in life. 1 John 5, 4 says, This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so as we believe what the Bible says, that brings the kind of victory that it takes to overcome the world. And you know this, I'm convinced that the only way to live the Christian life successfully is to live it by faith in what the Bible says. Religion isn't what we're after. We have a relationship with God, and we just, we've got to, we've got to be in the Word. All of us, we need to be students of, of theology, students of doctrine. That's, that's always, it's always very important. But having perfect theology and not living in victory is useless. I mean, if I have, if I have the best theology uh, about speaking in tongues, but my marriage is a mess, that's a problem. And so we need to, we need to be Christians who walk in victory. Over the years... I've thought I've known it all several different times. And now isn't one of those. No, tonight's not one of those nights. Because every time I think I know it all, then I find out I really didn't know it all. And the older I get, the less often that happens. You know, you get some experience and you realize you don't know it all. I wish I would have conquered the world when I was 16, when I knew everything. And as time has gone on, it's, it's passed me by. But I do know a couple of things. I know this, that number one, there's no such thing as a harvest without sowing a seed. It doesn't happen. We will never reap a harvest without sowing a seed. Number two, I know this, that Bible faith, the kind of faith that overcomes the world, the kind of faith that defeats the devil, the kind of faith that God gets hold of, only comes from the Bible. It doesn't come from religion. It only comes from the Word of God. And the third thing I know, and this is where we're going to go tonight more than anything else, the words that come out of my mouth when I speak them from my heart determine my destiny and my well-being. What I say has much to do with all of those. I know this, that the call in my life is to preach and to teach the Word. But the, the foundational gift or motivational gift, I think is what we call it sometimes, is, is exhortation. And so my goal is always the same, and that is to, to uh, encourage people to grab hold of the Word so the Word produces faith in my heart so that we can live the way God intends for us to live. So here's where we're going to go. We read this last week, Proverbs 18:21. We, we talked about it last week. This is what it says, Proverbs 18, verse 21. The Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, 
and they that love it shall eat thereof, eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That old saying that we used to say, sticks and stones, uh, what is it, how's it go? Can break your bones, but words will never hurt me. Can I tell you something? Your own words can kill you. What you say is very, very important. The scripture tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what you talk about is what you're going to eat. The Amplified Bible says it this way. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. This is a pretty important subject, and I'm probably not going to say anything tonight you've not heard before. But I'm going to remind us of some things that we probably ought to know. Last week we talked about the power of our confession. We read from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, and the scripture says that Jesus is the high priest of our profession, is what it says in the King James. Profession and confession are the same words in the Greek. The word there is homologeo, which means to, to say the same thing as, or to agree and say it out loud. We talked about how that Jesus is the high priest who takes the offering of what we say to the Father and offers it to the Father, but he can only offer the words that, we, that, that, that he agrees with or that we agree with him with. And so we talked about that last time. All right, so we, we, we discussed how that, that uh, Jesus takes that as the high priest to the Father. We found out that too, when we read the passage of Scripture, that Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father and before the angels. Well, we, we said the word confess here. Homo logeo is Jesus. He says if we will agree with him and say it out loud in front of men, then he will take that and he will say it out loud to the Father and, the, and before the angels, and that just sends angelic help. But then he said if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. The word deny, if you break it down, find the root words, it literally means to not say. He said, if you don't say, if you don't agree with me before men, I'm not going to agree with you before the Father, before the angels. Which, what's that going to do? That's going to stop angelic help from getting to you. Not because Jesus doesn't want to help you, but because your own words determine some things in your life. And so we talked about all that last week. So we, we, we have to learn to agree with it. Our confession is powerful. Our agreement with the word and our discipline and willingness to say what God said is vital to us. All right? We spoke last week of not getting in bondage and not being legalistic. The problem with teachings like this is people get very legalistic. You know, sometimes Tammy and I will be saying something and I'll go, that just, that just makes me mad. And she says... Is that what you want? <laughs> so let's make an agreement with one another. We're not going to put one another in condemnation, but we need to be aware of some things that happen with our words. I found out that when, when the word is taught, basically one of three things happen. People either get mad, sad, or glad. You know, uh, when, when, when Stephen preached, they got mad. When Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler, he got sad. But when Philip went to Samaria, they got glad. And so it just depends on, 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 on how you receive what's being said. But we don't want to be legalistic. We, don't want to, we, we do want to be aware of our words, though. We want to be aware of what we say. We can't carry it to an extreme. Man, when I first got spirit-filled, we carried everything to an extreme. that was ridiculous, pretty much. 
I mean, you know, we, we, we would, we, you, know, you, you can't. If you've been to the doctor and the doctor diagnoses you with something, say the doctor diagnoses you with cancer, it's foolish to say there is no cancer. That's not what the Bible ever taught us to say. The Bible never taught us that we were to declare what is as if it wasn't. But what we are to declare is what isn't as if it is. We can declare I'm healed of cancer because that's the promise. Okay, so we have to learn how. to. Our, our words are important in, in that way. Listen, the sickness has been diagnosed. It's been discovered. Now what we want to do is begin to say not what is, but what, what is God's promise. What did God promise me? So most Christians fail to realize the importance of their words, of their confessions, and the need to agree with God. People say stuff all the time that absolutely disagrees with God. If you've ever called yourself stupid, you disagreed with God. Because he never called you stupid. Amen. That's good, huh? (laughs) If we're going to successfully fight spiritual battles... If we're going to successfully win in the spirit realm, we've got to be aware of our words. If we're agreeing with the enemy, we just open the door. Well, my, all of our family, we all die of heart attacks by the time we're 70. You know, people say stuff like that, and they believe it. I mean, I, I, we could all probably go around the room and tell stories about how people that we know that said, my dad died when he was 60, my grandfather died when he was 60, I'll probably die when I'm 60, and guess what? Because they began to prophesy their own lives. All right, so we've got to realize the importance, but we can't, we can't get, we can't get um, ridiculous about what we're talking about. All right? We've got to know the importance of words. We must confess the Word of God. As I said, this is a tough subject for a lot of people because most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about what we say. How about this one? You know, people, you, hear, you, you hear Christians say it. Oh, my aching back. <laughs> That's driving me crazy. <laughs> I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. <laughs> Listen, I know some people have given too many pieces away and there's not anything <laughs> left. And, and we, need to be, we, we need to be aware of words that, that, that we say. One time I heard, I heard this, this sermon. And the name of the sermon was Talk, God, Talk. The guy who preached the sermon did a terrible disservice to the English language. He, he said the Lord told him, he said the Lord came and asked him some questions, and he said, he said my people don't never know how to talk. <laughs> my guess is that isn't exactly the way the Lord said it, but that's the way the guy heard it. And the sermon was about learning how to speak the right way. I heard the sermon. It made me mad. I'm serious. I just thought he's either never been sick, never had a problem, or he just doesn't know what he's talking about. So I listened to it the first time, and I was mad the whole time. I listened to it again, and I listened, and then the second time I listened, I thought, okay, I'm going to prove that he's wrong. I couldn't prove that he was wrong. The Scripture talks a lot about our words. This isn't a minor subject in the Bible. This isn't something that's, that we have half a verse to go by. I mean, the Bible talks a whole lot about our words. All right? So while, while we're teaching, we cannot get condemned. 
We cannot allow the devil to come and, 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 and say, well, nobody can watch the hearts. No one can tame the tongue, but the Spirit of God can tame the tongue. And if we allow him to help us be mindful, we can do what we're supposed to do. I heard a story about a guy who won a bass fiddle at at some kind of contest. They were country folks. He won a bass fiddle at some contest in town. So he took it home. When he got home, all he had was the first page of the instructions. And so he thought, well, that'll be enough for me. So he found out that he could put, he found one place for his hand, one place for the bow, and he could play one note. And he thought that was good. He played it over. And over and over and over again, his wife was going absolutely crazy because he kept playing the one note over and over again. Well, one day she went to town, somehow got to go to a concert, and she saw another guy playing a bass. And, I mean, he's moving his hand up and down. He was playing all kinds of notes with it and making beautiful music out of it. And, and she thought, I've got to tell my husband this, but i got to tell him in a, in a good way because I don't want him you know, to be insulted by me saying that. So she gets home and she said, Honey, I went to town and, and I saw a guy playing one of these bass fiddles and he moved his hand up and down and he played all kinds of different notes. Well, why don't you do that? And he said, Well, you see, honey, he's looking for his note. I, I done found mine. I think there are a lot of people in life who are like one-noters. And they get one thing, and they don't read the whole manual to find out how it is we ought to be living our lives. They don't realize how beautiful life could be. We need to find out, what does the Bible say about stuff like that? Tammy and I prayed for for two different ladies at church Sunday morning. This first lady came, and we prayed for her. She's had the same problem for ten years. It's not a sickness. It's a problem that's her choice. She's choosing the same thing. For 10 years, if she knew what the Bible said, she would make a new choice. And the problem would be gone. Interesting. But people choose. Here's what we want. This is what I want. I want miracles. And I want the spectacular. God wants the miracles for me too. But it's his way. And when we learn to talk right we're going to see more miracles take place in our lives. We're going to find ourselves in fewer messes than we were before. This, this poor little lady, we prayed with her, you know, but until she makes a new choice, nothing will change in her life. And she goes to church all the time. We see her all the time. And we always hug her every week. And, you know, this was the first time we got to pray for her, but she waited for us. She came up waited so we could pray for her specifically. People need the word, and they need to talk right. So this is my master text Did you tonight. Tell her? Yes, we told her. Here's the thing: Pastor Jackie told us not to counsel them, yeah. but to pray for them. We counsel them anyway, and so, but we can't take a ton of time. But yeah, Tammy said no, we don't. But we do. We do. We, we counsel them. We do tell them what the Bible says because that's what we're supposed to do. Here's my text: Matthew chapter eight, verse five. Read several verses here. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now, I know you've heard that passage before. Probably heard many, many sermons on it. And again, I may not say anything that's new, but we're going to be reminded of a few things tonight. First of all, I want us to look at Jesus' response to this guy. He comes and he tells him, he says, my servant is sick. I love Jesus' response. He says, I will come and heal. He immediately goes to the answer and not to the problem. The guy told him he's sick of the palsy and and all that stuff. But he said, I will come and heal. Jesus doesn't confess or profess the circumstances. He spoke the results that he wanted. That's how Jesus spoke. If you think, if you read about Jesus, you'll find he always speaks correctly. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find out Jesus spoke to the wind. He spoke to the sea. He spoke to demons. Spoke to a tree. Even spoke to dead people. And every time he spoke to a thing or a person, he spoke the answer. He never spoke the problem. He spoke to the fig tree. We'll talk about it maybe if I get that far tonight. He spoke to the fig tree and he not one time confessed the problem. He spoke the answer. And so we need to learn from Jesus the way to speak. He always spoke right. Everything Jesus spoke to was obedient because Jesus spoke the word of God in faith. Now he did it as a man we got to understand when Jesus walked on the earth, he became a man according to Philippians chapter 2. As a man, he did everything that he did. He is God and he is man. And as a man, he did the things that he did in the earth. And he had to hear the voice of God and walk by faith as God said. He always released his faith in his words. Ben Franklin one time said, Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. A lot of Christians don't expect anything. We don't expect our words to harm us. We also don't expect them to do us any good. But the reality is when we speak in faith, a lot, a lot happens. Our words are very, very important to us. Jesus spoke in faith. Jesus, he spoke the will of the Father. Um, The psalmist and and Hebrews, they both say, spoke of what Jesus said. And Jesus said, I came to do thy will, O Lord. Everything Jesus did is the will of God. I think we would agree on that. If we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus never one time made anybody sick. Not one time did he lay hands on them and say, I pronounce cancer on you. After all, I need to teach you a lesson. No, every time Jesus came to those people, the scripture says he healed them. And we, a couple of three weeks ago, we said he healed them all. And the scripture says that over and over. He spoke the will of God. Always. That's what Jesus did. I'm going to look at verse 10 again. It says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, verily. That means truthfully, or this is important. I say to you, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. He marveled at this guy. He marveled at this in turn. The word marvel means to wonder, to admire. Jesus admired this guy. He, he marveled at his faith. He admired him. He was impressed. You want to impress Jesus? It's your faith that impresses Jesus. 
It's when you walk with God by faith, not relying on what you see, hear, taste, touch, and smell, but what did God say? That's really important. He marveled at the guy's faith. He, he, he said, man, this is important. Think about it. Jesus marveled at this guy. Jesus had seen the world being created. He saw the planets put in place. He saw the universe being created. And yet the thing that impressed him was this guy's faith. This, he, Jesus, he, he marveled at it. He had not seen faith like that in all of Israel. Now think about that. The Israelite, this guy wasn't even an Israelite. He was a Roman centurion. He's a pagan guy. But he believed in the word of the Messiah believed in the word of God. The Israelites, they had the word, but they never mixed it with faith. They just they decided they would have religion. And there's a big difference, we understand, between religion and faith in the word of God. Huge difference in those things. I read a book by Charles Capps years ago, and he said this. He said, faith-filled words will put you over. Fear-filled words will defeat you. Words are the most powerful thing in the universe. If you just think about it, the world was created by God, and how did he do it? Spoke it. He spoke it. And we understand that, that in the smallest particles of, of, of all of creation, we find the two things that are always consistent, light and sound. Because God said, and light became. And so we understand words are very powerful. All words are containers. Every word we speak is a container. It carries faith or it carries fear. And they will all produce after their kind. Our words are very, very important. I mean, this is spiritual law. I'm not, this isn't just theory. Listen to what this says. We quoted Proverbs 18.21 that says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think about this. Proverbs 6, verse 2. Thou art snared with the words of your mouth. You are taken with the words of your mouth. Snared. That means your words can hold you captive. The enemy can, if, if you can just agree with the enemy, if he can get you to agree, he can take you captive. Isaiah 57, 19 says, I create, God is talking, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. God creates the words of our lips. The word that, I love this verse, peace, peace is shalom, shalom. There are two or three instances in the scripture where, those, where, where shalom is repeated after shalom. And we know the word shalom means complete. It means if something is complete, there's nothing missing. If it's complete, it's not broken. When Jewish people greet one another, they say shalom when they meet. And they're saying, is everything good? Are you complete? Is there anything missing? When they walk away from one another, they say shalom. And they're saying, don't. Don't, don't be missing anything. Stay complete. God here says, I create the fruit of the lips. Shalom, shalom. Complete completeness. Absolutely nothing missing. Absolutely nothing broken. He says, I create the fruit of the lips. When you begin to declare shalom, shalom, he said, I'm going to create that to those that are far off, those that are near, and I'm going to heal him. That's a great passage of Scripture. Shalom, shalom. He creates the fruit of the lips. Numbers 14.28, the Lord said to the children of Israel, As surely, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. 
Now that sounds pretty important, doesn't it? The scripture says that our words are important. If Jesus came in this room tonight and he laid hands on each one of us and prayed for us and said, everything now will happen just as you say it. I wonder how many people would say, that just tickles me to death. I wonder if somebody would say, no way. But he has said that in his word. He has said that very same thing. All right. We need to know there's a war being waged for our words. There's a war out there. It's being waged for our, for our words. I mean, the devil is doing everything he can to get us in agreement. Everything. He wants us. He wants us to agree with, with the death, with the curse, with all that's going on in this age. The Lord is wanting us to agree with him so he can get his salvation into every area of our lives. He wants that. That's what he's after. He wants that to be in our lives. We must fight the fight of faith and win by learning how to say what God says. So we're going to look at a couple of things from this passage we just read from from Matthew chapter 8. First of all, I love it. The centurion says to Jesus, speak the word only. That is a great statement. He knows that to understand authority is to understand the necessity of speaking. Authority always includes speaking. If you have authority, your will in authority can only be released through words. For example, when I'm at work and I'm in charge, the only way I can tell them what to do is use words. I have never one time thought, I wish they would vacuum the carpet. (laughs) And what I found out about human beings is, even if they vacuumed it yesterday, I got to tell them today. You've got to get the fingerprints off of the showcases more than once a day. And then I go back out there and I use those words. We release our authority through our words. We always release authority through words. There is no commanding without speaking. I mean, in the spirit realm, it's just the same. Jesus spoke. Peace, be still. And what happened? It obeyed. The storm obeyed him. He literally said, I love that. That's another whole other sermon. He literally said, muzzle yourself. And it just ran out of air. The storm did. The spirit realm understands our words. Not our hopes, not our wishes. Sometimes we think the devil can read our minds, but there's nothing in scripture that tells you the devil can ever read your mind. He, he, he didn't have that capability. Now, he can read your actions. He can read some things that you do. But he can't read your mind. I mean, it's not going to do me any good to sit here and think, I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Because I'm just... <laughs> he doesn't get it. And he's not going to take a hint. I have to know what to say. When our kids were young, we have four kids... And, and the first three are much older than the fourth one. But the, the, the second one is a daughter. The third one is a son. And the, the second one, she, she kind of picked on my son when they were growing up. But one day he got hold of this thing about commanding in Jesus' name. I'll never forget. We're in the house one day, and we hear this loud, 
Stephanie, I bind you in Jesus' name. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you something. The moment he said that, she stopped. But he began to figure out that it took his words to make that happen. The centurion, he equates speaking the word of God with having the authority of God. It's God's word in our mouths that brings the authority of God. When we speak the word of God in faith, the devil can't tell if it's God or us. Because it's the word of God. And when it's spoken in faith, as it's supposed to be, I mean the devil is put on the run. Jesus' response was, man, this guy has great faith. Great faith. I love it. Revelation 12:11. we read last week. It says, they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. The blood had already been appropriated. They had to use their mouth to make it work. And when they used their mouth, they gave their testimony. Their testimony. What that's talking about is our testimony agrees with what the blood says, with what the blood has done. And when we do that, we're not loving our lives. We're loving what he did. And I tell you, we overcome that way. When Jesus was on the mount of, of temptation, the devil would come and he would say, you know, do this. And it had to be, he had to be able to do it because Jesus was tempted with these things. The devil said, I'll give you all of this. How could he say that unless he could? Adam and Eve gave it to him. And so now he's, he's telling Jesus, you can have all this. But Jesus every time responded with words. And he began those words with, it is written. And he spoke God's word to the situation. I'll tell you, that's, that's what has to happen. Belief in the authority of the word is what faith is. When I believe the word of God, when I know the word is the answer to whatever I'm facing, to whatever the attack is, the word is the answer. The scripture says in Romans 10 verse 16, But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, as we hear the report, and we speak the report, that's what has to happen. We must be hearers and believers in the report that's his word. And here's what we need to know. Faith does not come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't come because I heard it in the past. It comes because I hear it now. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Belief is my choice. If I must be hearing, I must be listening so I can be believing. I've got to believe the word of God is true versus all of my circumstances. That has to be, that has to be the most important thing to me. What does the word say? You know what? The word is the same. It's not ever going to change. The leaves will fade, the grass will fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. The circumstances in your life will change tomorrow. There's a big difference between the facts and the truth. Truth isn't relevant. It's true for all times. And so we need to get hold of the truth. The facts will be changing frequently. The fact may be that that, uh, today this is going on, but the truth is the word of God that's true forever. We've got to believe that. We believe God's word. And when I believe it, I speak it in faith against the devil or the circumstances that contradict the word. That's how those things will change. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark, Matthew chapter 16. 
verse 19. He said, and I will, talking to Peter, he said, I will give to thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Said the very same thing in Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's pretty important. He said it twice in just a couple of chapters. Here he's, 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 making, he's making us understand that the words that we speak have impact in heaven and earth, impact in the spirit realm and in the physical realm. The scripture says in Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I mean, in heaven, they're not debating tonight about whether the Bible is the Word of God. <coughs> they're not up in heaven saying, well, I wonder if, if this tongues thing is real. No, no, they, they, are, they know it's real, and they know what's going on. They're not debating it. The word settled means stands fast without change. It means it's established. The Word is established. So what can I establish in the earth? The Word. How can I do that? By saying it with my mouth, by speaking it out loud. I mean, we speak it. We can bind and we can loose. We can bind the devil. We can loose God's word, loose his liberty. I love Isaiah 55. I know I'm going through lots of scriptures fast. But listen to this. And you know this verse, these verses. The Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Right before this, he said that, that we need to forsake our thoughts. That we're supposed to forsake our thoughts. But then he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And he told us before that, he said, You need to think my thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. How does God's word return to him? How does it accomplish anything? If I have it on my coffee table, is that it? If I, if I put it in my chair and sit on it, does it osmose from, that, from the pages up into my body? The only way the word returns to God is when we say it. This is a powerful key. When we say what he said, it returns to him because we've just now agreed with him and we just now, are, are, are heaven and earth are hearing his word and as we say it, it doesn't return void. It accomplished what he pleases. When we speak it, the rain comes down, makes the seed to bud, our agreement, when he speaks it, it comes down, our agreement makes his word come to pass. It's his word. He does the work. I simply agree with him. I can't make a miracle. Not capable of doing that. But I can agree with what he said. Jesus said this in Mark 11. You remember Mark 11? Jesus is coming to town. He's walking and he sees this fig tree. And it has leaves on it. And the fig, is, the fig tree must be saying something. Because as, when Jesus gets there, there are no figs. And it says, and Jesus answered it. You can't answer it unless it tells you something. All right, so this, this, it had these leaves on it. It wasn't the season of figs, but the fig tree was advertising something. It was advertising that it had figs. Jesus is in covenant with God, and it says he was hungry. The covenant that Jesus has with God as a Jewish man is that he will not hunger. He goes over the fig tree. He walks up there. It's advertising it, and all of a sudden it says, Ha ha, I don't have any figs. You can't get your need met. And Jesus said, he answered it. 
and said, No man eat fruit from thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. And so they go into town. This was a rough day for that fig tree and for the people in the temple because they get to the temple and they're selling stuff and Jesus drives them out of the temple. It doesn't, it doesn't sound much like a lot of churches you'd want to go to where he's whipping people out of the temple and cursing a fig tree. The next day they're coming into town. And when they get to the fig tree, they're like, whoa, Jesus, golly. <laughs> the tree you cursed is dead. And the Bible says it died from the roots up. He spoke to a tree. He answered a circumstance that disagreed, that contradicted the promise he had from God. He spoke to it. He spoke words of faith. And then he didn't, and they, they said, wow, it died. And Jesus didn't say, yeah, I know, but you can't do that. Forget it. I mean, after all, I'm Jesus. And y'all are just the disciples. Now, here's what he said. And Jesus answering said to them, the disciples, have faith in God. Now, we know this. If that actually said, have faith in God, it would say in the Greek, it would say, pistis in dios. But it doesn't. It says, it says, it says, pistis diau, which means it's a possessive word rather than faith in God. It says faith of God. Okay, so here's what Jesus said. He said, have faith of God. Have faith like God has faith. Have God's faith. For truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now I already hear the devil. You've tried that before. You must not have faith. You've tried it. It hadn't worked for you. Remember this. Whatever the devil says is a lie, because he's a liar. Jesus said, if you have just a little bit of faith, faith as, as big as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to a tree, be thou plucked up, cast in the midst of the sea, and it'll obey you. Uh, if, even a little bit of faith will work. So you have that kind of faith. He said, he said, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Jesus didn't hate the fig tree. What he didn't like is something that contradicted the word of God. He, he, he didn't want that at all. I mean, he believed that when he spoke to the tree, that the tree had to obey him because it contradicted what God had promised him. I mean, he, 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 he chose to believe the word of God. He chose it. In Matthew chapter 21, it's the same story. In verse 21, it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this, you will not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if you say the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into it shall be done. And all things whatsoever that you ask in prayer believing you shall receive. Notice Jesus didn't say, just, just pray when you come to the mountain, just pray and I'll take it away. The scripture doesn't talk about God taking the mountain away, it talks about me speaking to a mountain and it going away. We're to talk to stuff our words need to agree with what God says. The Bible says in Romans 10, verse 10, For with the, with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. The word salvation doesn't mean born again. It means to be rescued, delivered, made, well, made whole, and made well. It's the Greek, it comes from the Greek word sozo. The words are very important. 
Jesus said to the guy, he said, he said, as you have believed, so be it done. As you have believed. How does Jesus know he believed it? Because he said it. The scripture says this in Matthew 9, verse 29. He's talking to some blind guys. Jesus said, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. The scripture says in Matthew, Mark, Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, this is one of my favorite stories. When Jesus comes off the mountain, the, the man has a, a boy that's, that has a demon and it throws him into the fire and all that stuff. And, and the guy comes to Jesus when he comes off the Mount of Transfiguration and he says, he says you know, your, your disciples couldn't cast the devil out of him. And this is how it says it, it the way the, the, it's wording. It says, he, he says to Jesus, says, if you can help us, do something. Jesus said, if I can help. <laughs> If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. I love that. If I can help. See, he can do anything. My job is to agree with him. Well, what if it doesn't change right away? Does that make the word wrong? I simply stay with what God says. You see, the, Jesus said, as thou hast believed, to that centurion, as thou hast believed, so be it done. The word done is, is, is the, uh, uh, the Greek word genomai. Genomai, we get the word generate. He says, as you believed, it's generated. As you believed, he said to the guy, he said, as you have believed, it has caused to, be, to come into being as you have believed. See, the scripture talks about God that he, that he quickens the dead. He calls those things which be not as though they were. Jesus said, as you believed, what wasn't has been generated into being. The centurion simply said, you just speak the word. Because with the word has the authority to heal my servant. You see, the promise of all things possible to him who believes is there in the scripture. Our confession will always be what we believe in our heart. We will not consistently say what we don't believe. It's easy in this room tonight to say, I'm well, I'm healed. What do you consistently say? What do I say to myself when I'm looking in the mirror? See, God's people can have what they say. The problem is they're saying what they have. We can have what we say. We need to, have, we need to, be, we need to be saying what he says. Jesus talked about his so great faith. We need to be people who take the word of God Believe the Word of God and say the Word of God. We can't neglect what the Word of God says. God's Word is not void of power. God's people are often void of speech. We need to be agreeing with what He said. For the Word to be effective, we must speak it. The creative power will come into fruition as we speak it. The Word of God is filled with power. It's only powerless when we don't say it. To have the book and the pages without saying it, without agreeing with God, leaves it powerless. And I'm going to close with these verses from Proverbs chapter 4. My son, attend to my words. Pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Listen to them. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. 
for they, the words, are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life are fear and doubt. We take the word, we put it in front of us. Man, we, 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 we make sure that it's in us. And as we put it in us, what happens to it? It comes out of our mouth. There's a war for our words. We need to be fighting this fight. And here's what happens. We sometimes we got well not sometimes we got to learn how to do it on purpose. Learn how to just learn how to speak what God said. Instead of instead of always proclaiming the problem, we need to be confessing the word. What did the Bible say about this? What does it say? What does it say about my health? What does it say about my finances? What does the word of God say about my marriage? What does it say about relationships that are around me? What does the word say? Instead of, well, they're laying everybody off. I guess I'm next. (laughs) Well, we shouldn't have bought this Ford because they always fall apart. (laughs) We need to be saying, what does the word of God say? What does he promise us? We need to fight the war for our words. And we can win the war. We just put his word in our mouth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the creative power that is in your word. Lord, we don't want to be legalistic and we don't want to come under some kind of bondage here, but we do want to agree with you. We do want to speak words of life, words that answer the problems, not words that complicate the problems. Father, I pray that as I've taught tonight that revelation has come into our hearts and God, that you will just reveal to us areas that we can can work on. Lord, not that we'd be condemned because we know that's not you, but that we'd be convinced by the Holy Spirit of things that we can work on, things that, that will bring your promise into our lives to be made manifest for the world to see that Jesus is alive. I thank you tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.